Welcome to the Go Find Out Podcast. I'm Jennifer Jelliff Russell, author, speaker, and entrepreneur, bringing you actionable ideas and interviews with awesome women to help you pursue your dreams and achieve your goals. You can find more episodes of the Go Find Out Podcast by visiting gofindoutpodcast.com. Enjoy the show and go find out. Welcome to the Go Find Out Podcast, episode number 27. I'm your host, Jennifer Jelliff Russell. On today's show, I'll be interviewing Wendy Andrew about her journey to starting the Scottish Pet Bereavement Counseling Service. I'll also explain why there will be two episodes this week and what I'm currently loving. All right, on to my personal update. So this week, I'll be releasing two episodes. Woohoo! Um, you could call it a Thanksgiving Day present, but really, both of these interviews are somewhat time-sensitive. So I wanted to get them out this week. While this episode has been released Monday morning, which is the normal day and time that I launch an episode, the extra episode will be released tomorrow. And if you're the parent of a young child, you should definitely check out tomorrow's episode, as it might help you add an extra special holiday tradition to your yearly Christmas routine. So look for that tomorrow. It may sound a bit silly, but the thing that I am loving this week, you guys, is a heated blanket we keep on the bed in the winter. This will be our third year using it, and I just love it. It was well worth the purchase as it has dual settings, so my husband and I can set it to like two totally different heat levels. And we don't sleep with it on, but about 15 minutes before bed, we turn it on to heat up the sheets. It doesn't sound like a big deal, but when you live in an old farmhouse that's primarily heated with a wood stove, that means that not a lot of hot air circulates into the bedroom. And I have to say, it's really nice to climb into a bed that has toasty warm sheets at night in the winter. This is especially great because I also have terrible circulation and my feet get super cold. Having cold feet used to make it really super difficult to like sleep in the winter, but with the heated blanket, they warm up pretty quickly. So I love it. <laughs> I will also tell you what I am not loving this week, and that is learning obvious life lessons. I went to paint the ceiling in the room that my husband just finished renovating, and I realized that when it comes to paint, you get what you pay for, right? So listeners, I am a very thrifty person. Some might even say cheap. So when I saw a can of paint that only cost $12 rather than $20, I of course chose the cheaper option. This was a poor choice. It turns out that when a cheap paint is advertised as being for rentals, it means that it will provide absolutely no coverage. So painting the ceiling with the cheap paint yesterday was basically like trying to coat it in like slightly chalky water. It was not fun and it did not go well. Um, needless to say that I, I have learned my lesson and we will now have to buy the more expensive paint, which means that we'll be paying more than we would have if I had just opted to buy the more expensive stuff in the first place. Yep. And, and I'll have to do an extra cone of paint which just means more physical labor. Lesson learned, listeners, lesson learned. In other news, this week is Thanksgiving here in the States. Yay! So though my husband and I, we usually travel down to see either his family in PA or my family in Florida, we're going to be staying home this year so as to avoid catching or spreading COVID-19. There has definitely been an uptake in cases even here in Maine recently. So we're pretty much back to basically only going to the grocery store or the hardware store so that my husband can continue the house renovations. In the past, when we've occasionally stayed home for the holidays, we usually had friends come over for dinner, but that is also not happening this year. We've also stopped our outdoor gatherings with friends around the bonfire simply because with the uptick in cases, it just really seemed too risky to continue doing that. Even though it was outside and, and well ventilated, obviously, it just doesn't make sense to risk it. 
So I hope that all of you listeners are able to stay safe for the holiday and avoid travel as well. All right, let's get to the interview with Wendy. I hope that you guys enjoy her fantastic Scottish accent as much as I did when I was speaking with her. On today's show, I'll be interviewing Wendy Andrew, who is a pet bereavement counselor, providing individualized services to those who have lost a pet or companion animal. Welcome to the show, Wendy. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to have you here on the show today. Can you can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and maybe where your accent's from? Sure. A lot of people may have recognized the accent as being Scottish. I hope they did. <laughs> yes. Well, it's, it is a bit of a funny one, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I'm based in Glasgow in Scotland. And before being a pet bereavement counsellor, I was a dog walker and my parents were Labrador breeders. So I've always been around dogs and other pets and animals. Oh, okay. So is that kind of what made you become interested in providing pet bereavement counselling? Yes. Well, one of the dogs that I walk, when she was a young pup, she actually had a near-death experience. Oh. She took some ibuprofen at home and it was just a really traumatic, accidental thing to happen. And it was very uncertain as to whether she would pull through or not. And I wanted to be supportive and I wanted to know I was being supportive in the right way. Mm. So they're wonderful clients and a great couple. And I'm very, very fond of them and their dog. So of course, I was very concerned. And I was, you know, keeping in constant contact, asking how she was and how they were. And, you know, I just thought, am I doing enough? Am I doing this the right way? So I decided to study pet bereavement counselling with the ISCP, uh, which is the International School for Canine Psychology and Behaviour, just to educate myself and provide a cradle to grave service for my dog walking clients and I felt this is something that will be perhaps required by them when the time comes and when I qualified I realized you know so many people were saying oh this is great I wish I had that around when when I lost my pet and I thought you know what I should really just open this up to everybody yeah that's great you mentioned the the training itself what did that kind of look like did you have to do like in-person courses or like online courses it was a distance learning course Mm -hmm. uh, but it was very thorough so there was a lot of modules to go through and you learn so much it's a really great organization and there's a lot to it you know learning all the different stages of grief and how to support people and it's really quite an intense course so it took quite a while to get through that but it was really worthwhile and so just to kind of clarify pet bereavement doesn't just occur when a pet passes away right absolutely right there can be a number of reasons that people are separated from their pet i actually adopted pixie when she was two years old because her previous owners had a small child and they felt it was too much. Hmm. But the day she came to live with me here, when she was dropped off, her previous owners were absolutely heartbroken, you know, and they just turned and walked out the door, tears in their eyes. They knew they were doing the right thing for her because I had, you know, enough time to give her. And they were really delighted that she was coming to the home of a dog walker because they knew she would have a really good life with me. So there's lots of reasons why people rehome their dogs. It can be 
a time thing. It can be their job changes. They can have a house move where they're not allowed to bring pets with them. There's people who perhaps have addiction issues and they feel that they're not in a a space in their life where they can provide the love and the care and attention that a pet needs. So they're really being responsible and saying, I'm at a bad place in my life right now and I can't give the dog or the cat or whatever species of companion animal that they have. They just feel it would be better and in the animal's best interest to not be the primary caregiver at that point in time. Mm. There's so many different reasons why people might be feeling feelings of grief and bereavement when it comes to rehoming or being separated. It could even be a relationship breakdown and the ex-partner takes the, the pet and the other person's left without them. That would definitely be difficult, yeah. When you very first started thinking about getting into this, did you have any like naysayers when you told friends and family that this is what you wanted to do? Of course. There's always going to be people who don't understand or don't get it, but that's okay because they're not the kinds of people that I'm trying to help. If they if they feel that they would manage fine, you know, they maybe don't understand what the, the need is for that service or that it's necessary for some people to have that support. Mm-hmm. That's fine. If they if they are able to cope with pet bereavement on them on their own and deal with it themselves, that's okay. But there are people who their companion animal was their only companion and they maybe don't have support from other people. That's the people that I'm trying to reach out to and help Mm. and to let them know that the pet bereavement support industry exists. So I'm really delighted to have this opportunity to um, share with your listeners that that we do exist and we're here to help if anybody needs us. Yeah, I I didn't realize it was a service, to be honest. And I come from a mental health counseling background. It hadn't really dawned on me, you know, that that would be a service that could be sought out um, after losing a companion animal. I think it is quite a new thing. Yeah, but, but I think it's a needed thing. I think so too. I really do. And I really believe in what I'm doing and I feel that this is my true purpose. So it's it's an absolute privilege to be able to get to a stage with a client where they say, do you know what, I feel like I don't need you anymore. I don't take that personally at all right. when people say that. You know, it's I think, well, good. I'm glad I did my job well that you don't need to speak to me anymore. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's a weird thing to work towards, right? <laughs> to not have them as a client anymore. <laughs> but it, knows, it lets me know that I'm doing it right. Yes, absolutely. What would you say has been your biggest challenge in starting this company and or in providing bereavement counseling services? As we touched on there, just letting people know that I'm here. Mm. So this this is why I'm doing podcasts and I've written a book as you know as well so it's really just to let people know they don't have to go through this alone but letting people know that the support is there for them is the hardest part of this job definitely because like you said it is it is such a new thing I think folks don't think about it I noticed that you are also able to offer virtual services online to anyone anywhere. Was that something that you've kind of always done or did that come about because of COVID? It's a service that's always been available because I cover the whole of Scotland and there's a lot of kind of remote places in Scotland, Mm -hmm. as you can possibly imagine, small villages tucked in the middle of nowhere, but they do have an excellent Wi-Fi connection. So I am happy to work with all my clients um, here and abroad 
online because not everybody is able to come to the city centre in Glasgow and to see me in person. However, with COVID, I've stopped doing face-to-face consultations. And to be honest, I'm not sure if I will go back to that because we just don't know how long this is going to go on for. And a lot of people are a little bit anxious still about it. Although we do know a lot more about COVID-19, there is a lot of risk of mutations and things. So nobody really knows what the future holds for us. But I'm just really glad that I can still keep going and still keep providing this service to people, especially when social contact is restricted at this time. That makes sense. Now, with that that international certification, are you able to provide counseling to folks internationally? Like, could you provide bereavement service counseling to somebody in the States, for example? Absolutely. I would be delighted to help anybody anywhere. As I mentioned to you before we spoke here, I used to live in Cape Cod in Massachusetts. So I do have a foot in the USA camp. Mm. It's a, a, a great country full of amazing, wonderful people. So yeah, I would I have the ability to help anybody anywhere. So I would be more than happy to do so. I'm quite happy um, with online services in general. And I have social media and things like that. So if anybody does want to ever get in touch, they're very welcome to to contact me. I'm also given to understand that you have written a book for those who have lost their beloved pet. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yes, absolutely. It's called How to Recover from Pet Loss, Supporting You on Your Journey to Acceptance. And it's available on Amazon. And I wrote that during our first lockdown Uh, in Scotland. We're now entering a kind of second phase of it. But I did write it as a low cost alternative to counselling. And I just feel that it was an important thing to do at that time, because a lot of people are losing their jobs and not able to see people in person. So I felt that a self-help book was a good thing to do. And we go through all the stages of grief, um, which is uh, predominantly, you know, from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and the DABDA model, which is denial, anger, bargaining, depression and acceptance. So that's why the book was called Supporting You on Your Journey to Acceptance. But with pet bereavement, you also have anticipatory grief. You know, if your pet is elderly or unwell, you have that overwhelming feeling of anticipatory grief. You know what's coming and it's kind of a crash course in grief. So we go through that and also guilt factors very highly in pet bereavement because sometimes, you know, if a pet is accidentally killed, the owners will wonder if they could have done something to prevent that event. Or if they have any illness, could they have you know, fed them differently or exercised them differently? There's a huge spectrum of guilt in there as well. And we also cover in the book how to support children. So there's a, a big interest there from families because while they're grieving, the children are grieving sometimes in a different way. So there's a whole chapter dedicated to that and how to support other people. And then we have a the final chapter is on healthy coping mechanisms. And as a qualified meditation teacher, I do a lot of meditation with my clients because I feel that that is a really good way to quiet the mind chatter. So it's it's quite a concise book. It's not a big book because let's face it, when you're grieving, nobody wants to be reading War and Peace. 
So (laughs) I know you just don't need to be doing that at that time. So it's a concise book. It can be read in a couple of hours. So I just feel that it was a really important thing to do at this time to reach out to people when they need that support and don't have access to it for either financial or, you know, government guideline reasons. What would you say kind of is the biggest challenge that people are dealing with when they lose an animal? Personally, I think it can be other people and the attitudes of other people. There's such a thing as disenfranchised grief, Jennifer, and I'm on a bit of a mission to combat that at the moment. And disenfranchised grief is grief that is not acknowledged or supported in society. And that can be people who say, oh, it was just a dog or, oh, are you going to get another cat? Are you still going on about this? Are you not over it? Are you going to get another one? And they really just don't understand the depths of the feelings of the person who has lost their companion animal. So I really do dig deep into this in the book. And I'm quite vocal about the fact that it doesn't matter what one individual's opinion is about pet bereavement. It's about respecting how the person who has lost their companion is feeling being supportive, being kind, and being present and offering support in whatever way that you can. It's very dismissive and people can feel that their feelings are being invalidated and that people just don't understand and that they don't have the support. And these people are the very reason why I do what I do. So I would really like society to speak more about pet bereavement and to open up about it so that it doesn't become such a stigmatized issue and that people don't feel that they have to hide it. I never ask for reviews from my clients because I don't want them to feel embarrassed that they have engaged my services and that people would mock them or not understand or say, oh my goodness, you spoke to somebody about this. You know, so it's it's one of those situations where I think that the biggest hurdle in pet bereavement is other people. I can totally see that. I've definitely run across the, well, you know, when are you going to get another dog or when are you going to get another cat? And even though you'll love a new cat or dog just as much as you would your previous animal, it doesn't replace that previous animal. Precisely. And it's such an important thing to acknowledge that one pet does not replace another one. And I think that very often people feel that they would be disrespecting the memory of the previous pet by getting another one. But I don't feel that's the case at all. And I actually um, posted on my social media a little sort of inspirational quote, as we all do. And it was really just to say that sometimes it can feel very unfair that your pets don't live as long as you do with the exception of a tortoise, of course. Um, But but the reason for that is that we can care for more of them in our lifetime. I think that's a nicer way to look at it rather than, you know, dwelling on the fact that, oh my goodness, I only had a decade with my dog or, you know, that that short lifespan. And it's not species specific either. You know, you're perfectly entitled to feel whatever you're feeling about any species or breed of animal and I do think that very often if we we change our mindset on that that can help with the grieving process a little if we say well do you know what there are a lot of animals out there that need a good home so Mm. if I can provide love and comfort and a good home to more of them then that's a good thing but it's not for everybody my own father he refuses to have another dog because he feels that he couldn't go through the heartbreak again and that's okay that's 
that's fine. He loves his grand doggies. My sister and I <laughs> both have dogs and he's absolutely besotted, but he just feels it's not for him to do to go through that again. And I think that my purpose is to get people to the point where they're open to that if they if they feel that's the right thing for them to do mm. you know to get them through the stage of grief to acceptance and make that decision at that point and for other people to say are you going to get another one it's really not their place to ask that question it's the place of the person who's lost the pet to say do you know what I'm considering getting another that's their place not anybody else to say oh just get another one that makes total sense Kind of shifting back to, you know, seeing this as, you know, the business side, is there anything that you feel like you would have missed out on by not beginning your pet bereavement services? Yes, um, I would have missed out on the opportunity to write a book. So many of us in life say, oh, I would love to write a book. And there, there is that saying that everybody has a book in them. Mm-hmm. So I'm very happy to have found my niche and to have been able to write a self-help book about that and to help other people. So I feel very proud that I've been able to do that. And I've met some absolutely incredible people along the way in my pet bereavement journey. I'm a member of a pet bereavement support network and it's an international network. We have other counsellors in the US and in Australia and England as well um, as part of the UK. So I've met some incredible people and clients and colleagues, and I'm just really glad that there are so many like-minded people out there that I may have otherwise not encountered. Yeah, that's awesome. And what advice would you give to other women who are thinking about starting a service that is maybe a little bit different from the mainstream businesses out there? I would say do it. Embrace the Nike philosophy and just do it. (laughs) Because I think we all have our own purpose and our own niche in life. And it's maybe a bit woo-woo to one person, but that's not your tribe. If you're truly believing in what you're doing and you know in your heart that what you're doing is right for you and that there there obviously is a market for that, then I say go ahead and do it, build it, and they shall come. And where can we learn more about your services and your book? Well, my book's available on Amazon and I have my website also, which is www.thescottishpetbereavementcounsellingservice.com. And that's the, the UK spelling of it, obviously. And I have social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And I recently joined LinkedIn, which is really Facebook with soup. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Wendy. Thank you so much for having me. So first, I wanted to make sure that I let you listeners know that Wendy's book, How to Recover from Pet Loss, Supporting You on Your Journey to Acceptance, will be on sale this week starting Black Friday through the following Monday. So definitely check it out if you feel like that's something that might help you or a loved one out. Something that I wanted to touch on from Wendy's interview was when she talked about how some people won't get why it is that she provides her services and how they aren't the folks that she's aiming to help. The point is here that sometimes you or your services are just not for some people. As a people pleaser myself, this is something that I've struggled to deal with while operating a business. I really want to be able to provide services or products for everyone, but that's just not feasible. And it's kind of ridiculous to try to meet everyone's needs. When I started my resume writing business, I would twist myself up into knots trying to make everyone happy. And while it's good to ensure your customers are happy with the level of service that you're providing, shifting your pricing 
or adding more services just to please one customer is not a great way to maintain a business. And while this is not exactly what Wendy meant, having experienced this and learning to tell a customer no sometimes prepared me for running into the type of folks that Wendy was referring to. So people who just didn't get what I was offering or people who look at me funny when I describe the podcast. I'm glad that I started this podcast knowing that it wouldn't be for everyone. Not only because I was specifically targeting women as my audience, but because some people might just not like my style or might not agree with what I had to say on here. And as Wendy said, that's okay. I'm not for them. They are not my audience. I definitely think this is something important to remember, especially if you tend to be a people pleaser like me. Sometimes you're going to run across people who just don't get what it is you're doing or selling or talking about, but they aren't your target market. Keep looking and you'll find the people who do align with you and your services, products, or ideology. All right, that's all I have for today. Tune in to the next episode when I interview Brie Larea about her journey of starting the business Letters from Santa, where she creates customized letters to your children from jolly old St. Nick himself. Until then, go find out. Thanks for listening to the show today. I hope you found the information beneficial and that it helps you tackle your own Go Find Out goals. You can find more episodes and the show transcripts at gofindoutpodcast.com. You can also let me know what you thought of the show by tweeting me at gfopodcast or follow me on Instagram at gofindoutpodcast. That's it for today. Now go find out.